Welcome in to a live edition of the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com, brought to you by Zen Sports and Jaspers, part of the 440 Network. Happy to be here. Lots to talk about before we even hear from Brian Callahan, which will happen Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock. But this morning, we heard from the Titans with an official announcement of Callahan's hiring, which really uh, went into process on Monday night, became official today, as did the Titans' new power structure. We'll start there. Uh, Why don't you tell your friends that we're going so you could share on Facebook. You could call their attention to the YouTube, and you could certainly retweet um, Twitter. I sent out the text to the membership, but I don't know that that's gone through yet. Um, so let's rally the troops. And uh, for those of you who are not regulars, if you could subscribe and rate and like wherever you're watching or listening, uh, that would be a big help to the cause as well. A uh, few thoughts before I dive into uh, a lot of questions. Okay, somebody came from the text, so that's excellent. Um, Rand Carthon gets really powerful in this new structure, um, overseeing a ton of stuff like everything that isn't Chad Brinker's expertise or stuff that he probably didn't want, like security and grounds. Um, And so it is kind of odd. We've been discussing Callahan for a few days, obviously, but out of the release, which is uh, you know, this page and this page and this page, almost three full pages about Callahan, uh, Titans finalized football structure at the bottom of the third page is the story on Wednesday. Callahan, I mean, uh, Carthon promoted to executive vice president slash general manager. And uh, with that, Carthon's duties expand to include all areas that impact the football team roster control, team activities, and personnel decisions, including draft and free agency acquisitions, oversight of Callahan and his coaching staff, scouting, sports medicine, and player engagement. That is a lot. Uh, Yes, there certainly still is collaboration. They weren't married to a 50-50 thing. I expected uh, Carthon to get power over uh, the roster, the 53-man roster, certainly the 90- and 53-man roster. I'm sure he will defer to Brian Callahan on the game day 48 or whatever that number is. You have to let the coach put the players, uh, address the players he needs to execute his game plan, right? Um, but that's a lot. As president of football operations, Brinker – will provide executive leadership and support for the entire football side of the organization. Day-to-day responsibilities include direct oversight of the football departments that address salary cap management, analytics, and strategy. So those are areas he came in with and had, I think, as um, as assistant, one of the two assistant GMs. Um, communication and information systems and team operations, including security, video, equipment, and grounds. Those sound like things that that Rand Carthon probably wasn't that interested in overseeing. All of that sounds normal until you get to the part that I reported today where Brinker will report not to Rand Carthon, who has huge power as executive vice president and GM, but to Amy Adams Strunk. That strikes me as odd and concerns me a little bit. Callahan's principle I have up here, I think the absolute single most exciting thing about Brian Callahan is that he has said, without a lot of equivocation on it, the team that passes the best, most effectively, usually wins the game. Boom. You know, now there's a lot that comes with that. Certainly, he's going to talk about protection and, and, you know, route running and all of that. But he talked about having outside weaponry and the ability to throw the ball to those guys. And we've not heard a Titans coach from Jeff Fisher to uh, Mike Munchak to Ken Wisenhunt, who, who was more of that philosophy but very ineffective with it, to uh, Mike Malarkey, 
to to Mike Vrabel talk that way about the passing game. Finally, they have somebody who is going to value the wide receiver position and hopefully bring bring fresh eyes that can analyze wide receivers in a way that the team has failed to do for its entire tenure in Tennessee with very few exceptions. Mason, Bennett, Nate Washington, A.J. Brown, really, DeAndre Hopkins now, um, five guys in 25 years, uh, assess those wide receivers and push the ball to them with a quarterback who's got the arm to do it. Uh, that is incredibly refreshing. Your questions. Here we go. I mean, do I still have problems with them not addressing vision in Rand's press conference? His inability to uh, say it and articulate it uh, in that moment at that time and to have to no comment on it is a concern about Rand Carthon. Yes. Not a concern about their their vision, but as a PR thing, yeah, it was terrible. No, I mean, title-wise, are Carthon and Brink are considered side-by-side in Strunk's eyes? I mean, they have different titles. A vice president outranks a uh, president of football operations is not on the same level as uh sorry i'm shuffling this very long press release is not on the same level as executive vice president general manager um carthon is is more powerful at least in the uh, in appearance sorry silencing my phone yeah, so Carthon got everything Vrabel wanted. Look, Vrabel wanted, asked for control at one point, okay? <clears throat> I mean, it, when I worked at at offices, you know, when I worked at the zone, I, I, you know, one contract, I asked for this much in my raise, and I only got that much. Doesn't mean I spent the whole rest of my contract at the zone uh, upset or uh, about not getting the exact raise I wanted, right? We all go through that. So Vrabel at one point asked for uh, control over the 53. He didn't get it. That doesn't mean he absolutely had to have it in continuing to to work effectively for the Titans or in continuing to see out his contract. Like it wasn't an ultimatum. He didn't have the power to offer an ultimatum, uh, do this or fire me. I think people are making too much of that. I mean, yes, Jay Breezy, I think it's good that they spelled out and we know very clearly what the structure is of the Titans organization right now. It's a little bit of a weird structure, right? I mean, Callahan, and I think, I suspect Carthon will back off of this tomorrow. It's weird for a GM to have oversight of a coach's staff. Now, that's probably... Uh, I don't want to say overreaction, but that's probably in reaction to Vrabel's staff deficiencies. But I imagine tomorrow that Carthon's going to say chat that that uh, Brian has that can do what he wants with his staff. So, like, I have the power, but I'm not going to use the power. I'm a benevolent dictator, um, you know. And uh, and same with the roster. I have final say in the roster, but nobody's going to be on this roster that Brian doesn't want uh, on the roster. Um, and then splitting off these things for Brinker is, uh, is, is somewhat odd. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Callahan should be able to hire who he wants. And I suspect again, that, um, <clears throat> that the meddling quote unquote, any meddling from, um, Rand Carthon is not going to come um, at this stage, at the hiring stage. Maybe it comes at a firing stage later on, um, if that makes sense. And maybe it gives him a little bit more of a chance to um, say, hey, um, look at this guy, you ought to consider him. 
which happened with Robinson and Vrabel at the beginning, right? Vrabel didn't get maybe his first or second choice at offensive coordinator. And Robinson said, hey, um, I interviewed Matt LaFleur for your job, and I was very impressed by him. Why don't we have him back in and you sit down with him and see what you think? Because I think he'd be great. And lo and behold, Vrabel interviewed LaFleur and, and did, in fact, make that hire. But that could happen without, you know, emphasizing the fact that the general manager has oversight over the coaching staff. Um, so that's a little bit weird. I mean, this is, this is largely a traditional GM coach setup, right? And Callahan had clearly is on board with everything or he could have gone to interview in Atlanta and Carolina, though those teams seem a lot further off from um, hiring than the Titans were. So I don't know that you walk away from a job offer to go um, interview in two other spots where you're a lot further from getting a job offer. Um, but, you know, clearly Callahan – you know, had some power here in that they wanted to hire him, but not so much power as to be able to get them uh, not to give Carthon oversight of his staff. More context, one. If you're saying what's concerning about it, I'm not remembering exactly what I said. Give me more context in your question. Ask Rob, would love to hear your thoughts on the new structure of the front office. Is it what Vrabel was asking for? Was the firing predominantly due to his New England trip and how Amy took it? Firing was largely a result of the Titans' record over the last two years and that Vrabel became more difficult to work with um, in the other departments of uh, of the football team, particularly with, with Rand. Um, <clears throat> Vrabel again asked for control over the 53, um, but didn't get it. That was at one point, uh, it was not a demand over which he was, uh, you know, putting his job on, on the line. I would think somebody like NWI is looked at in a completely different way now for what he is. And that while blocking remains an important element of wide receivers' job here, it is not as important as it has been under every coach who has preceded Brian Callahan. Amy Adams Strunk uh, will not, uh, I would bet, big money be answering questions at this presser. I do think, I do hope that she would, introduce Callahan before departing the the table or the dais. Um, what would be my first ask? I, I, I don't, uh, you know, most important ask, I think is more important than first ask. You kind of want to ease in and not clobber her over the head um, with something right away that sets a tone where she's going to be on the defensive but I think an important ask is why is Chad Brinker, why with all this power going to Carthon is Chad Brinker um, reporting to her? Um, that, that's a question that I really want to know. I thought Wesley Woodyard came off pretty poorly in his interview with uh, Ramon and Kayla and Will on the, on the morning show on on the zone this morning. I mean, he made some interesting points. I, I was, it was very interesting to learn that variable uh, ultimately or at a certain time restricted player children in the locker room. I'm presuming that's uh, in the immediate post game um, or on a certain day of, of the week. Um, and, and that his own kids were around. That certainly uh, sounds hypocritical and unhealthy. Um, and so I'm interested in that, but look, Vrabel had players who were his guys and players who were not his guys. Wesley was going through kind of a, a thing where other linebackers were coming up behind him. And uh, I know he wasn't being literal, but where he's saying, you know, do we want to win a Super Bowl for this guy? Because his, 
his ego is going to get even bigger. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, again, I know he's not being literal, but that sounds terrible. You know, yeah, go win. You take the consequences that come with winning. Um, winning should be number one in everything. And, you know, for every Wesley Woodyard, I think especially when the team was going good, there were multiple Taylor Lewans and Will Comptons and Derek Henrys and Ryan Tannehills. And so he's hardly representative of the bulk of, uh, of that team that we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think you call them Callahan's recent teams. They're Taylor's recent teams. Callahan was connected you know, was part of teams that had protection issues. Certainly, uh, they're more focused on the quarterbacks and the weapons, and you can't have everything. The Titans need to do a better job than the Bengals did of of getting um, every everything. Um, but uh, Callahan understands protections. If you haven't read Dan Pompey's feature on him from The Athletic from a few years ago, you absolutely should. Uh, he talks about telling Peyton Manning that a certain team that they were getting ready to face in Denver never brought a certain kind of blitz and Manning coming in the next day and showing him them bringing that exact kind of blitz out of that exact kind of look. It was more than two years old and Callahan learned like the depth of how far back he needed to go to look at things, to satisfy Peyton Manning and ultimately to, to be thorough himself. Um, so he's got a real understanding of protections and what those take. Um, <clears throat> you know, now does he have, uh, does he have scouting vision himself on identifying, um, pass protectors and the kind of receivers that they had? It's certainly hope so. Um, certainly excited about new eyes that are going to contribute to that and, and the eyes of his staff that he's going to bring in who are going to have a voice in that how much it's listened to by Rand, we don't know, but Rand certainly sounds like when we've heard him talk that he's eager for that sort of feedback. And so um, we'll, we'll see, but um, you know, a lot of teams are having protection issues because it's harder and harder to find good offensive linemen. So the challenge for the Titans is, uh, is an awfully big one. I think there was plenty of accountability for bad play and losing close games in the past. Just some of it was still on John Robinson. I have a newsflash for you. Some of it's going to still be on John Robinson next year. Um, you know, as uh, you know, through the first contract cycle of, of Caleb Farley and Des Fitzpatrick and Darrington Evans and a lot of these people, there's still going to be holes the Titans need to fill as a result of John Robinson's failures. And there's going to be an echo of that, but I don't know how there wasn't accountability last year. It was just split accountability. So you didn't know exactly who had final say on things, but there were still things to account for and people to hold to account. So Andre Dillard, I suspect was maybe a little bit more of a variable guy, but the fact that they collectively collaboratively thought that Andre Dillard could be a starting left tackle in the league indicted everybody that was connected uh, to it. And if they bring in somebody next year who is a failure on the level of Andre Dillard, it'll be ran first and foremost, who's responsible for that, but it'll also be other people connected to ran who, uh, you know, first and foremost, Rand, certainly. But, you know, I, I don't think Rand's going to be the dictatorial uh, John Robinson type who probably, uh, who we know, went against advice in certain circumstances. As we close the door on the Vrabel era, should we have hired Lafleur instead of Vrabel, or did he do his job, led teams that weren't loaded and didn't have an elite quarterback to the AFC Championship game in number one seat? I'd say be there. I mean, if you look at the coaches that were hired in 2018, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I was looking at Adam, I think it was Adam Shine's uh, list of uh, ranking the, I think it was eight guys, and he had Vrabel eighth, and Vrabel was the longest lasting and the last out of those coaches from 2018. John Gruden, he ranked number one. He ranked Matt Patricia number two. I mean, the life cycles of most of these coaches are relatively short. Six years is a, is a pretty good run. The first four of those years were 
pretty damn good. It's unfortunate it came undone as it did. I completely understand, uh, you know, people's disgust with the last two years. I maintain it's mostly about the roster. I'm a Vrabel guy, but he certainly had his deficiencies and things that that hurt him. He was too stubborn. His ego was too big. He was overly loyal to coaches, some of whom he shouldn't have hired in the first place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, I think Matt LaFleur is a very good coach, but his early success in Green Bay, and he was hired a year or two too early in Green Bay, I think a lot of people would say his early success was buoyed by working with Aaron Rodgers. And when you inherit a Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, you know, things are stacked in your favor. And Mike Vrabel didn't inherit anything close to that, nor would Matt LaFleur have um, here. I, I don't know, Ed. There are little wrinkles that make, you know, some structures different uh, than others. It's not too far off a conventional GM coach structure, but uh, a, a little bit. Uh, I, I think Vrabel understood dealing with ownership. I think he had a harder time um, not dealing with Rand. I think it was personable and fine dealing with Rand. I think he questioned Rand's um, qualifications. And I think, I think Amy Adams Strunk in her statement really overshot what, what, um, what Rand did last year. Uh, she made it sound like they had an unbelievable free agency class. Now I understand as well as anyone that um, that the Titans were cap strapped last year and limited in what they could do. But he said that that she said that he provided a clear competitive advantage during last year's free agency and draft process. I mean, what's the competitive advantage during free agency? Uh, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins late, not in conventional free agency, and clearly his tie to Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly meant something. And he also said himself that he didn't get as many offers as he expected. It was very limited market for him. Uh, Rand Carthon otherwise got Aziz Alshair, who's a good player, not a great one. Sean Murphy Bunting, who's a terrific guy but was far too handsy, got too many penalties and was beat too often. Brunskill who's best as a sixth offensive lineman, um, you know, and Andre Dillard, who is a complete disaster. I, I don't think you can sell us on Rand Carthon's magnetism for free agents with that free agent class. I think that's a huge oversell. And she said that, that Rand makes the Titans a destination for the league's top talent. I can't recall many free agents. I've been covering the league since 1996 saying I came here because of a GM. First off, they come because of money. They come because of the most attractive uh, offer. And secondly, they come because of a coach and a locker room. So I, I hear what she's saying and what the team is saying about Rand Carthon over and over and over again, um, these, these ex exciting things. But they have not shown us or let us see those things about him. And, and I would say that's one of the most important things that they have to do is let us see what they're telling us about Rand Carthon. He needs to be out there more um, because it's, it's hard to, to, to take what she's saying here and, and see it in the evidence of what's happened with the football team so far. Am I wrong there? All right, let's get down to some new comments. I am brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports is a terrific betting app available only here in Tennessee. You should go sign up for the app right now and you use code TNPAUL, TNPAUL. If you use that code, if I could get it into a good spot here, if you use that code uh, and make a simple $10 bet, you uh, get a free one-year membership to paulkuharski.com. That's me, where you get uh, great insight, analysis, and news about your favorite team, Tennessee Titans. Um, you get um, 
But if you bet more than ten dollars, your first wager is no danger. You can bet up to a thousand dollars on anything with odds up to uh, plus five hundred, and sit back and relax because uh, if you win, you're set, and if you lose, you uh, get get your bet back. So up to a thousand dollars, no danger wager with Zen Sports. Again, the code T N Paul. I don't know why you wouldn't sign up given the quality of that offer and the potential, or not the potential, the free membership that comes with it. So jump on that. Uh, now it's a good time to retweet. Spot on again, says Tom. I, I'm a fan of this Tom, and I don't recognize his name, so I don't think he's a member. Tom, you need to come and sign up. Let's get down to the more recent questions. Andrew Clark likes the move towards analytics and new science and technology. I do too. I want to see it in practice. And again, they don't need to tell us we did this, the analytics told us, but it would be good as these things are put into practice if they could give us some tangible. And again, they don't owe us transparency. It just seems like they could avoid a lot of the kind of shit that they've created over the last two years with more transparency, people would have more faith in them. Um, and if they could say, you know, that decision was a result of some analytics that we did, or, you know, some hint without giving away the formula. And I know a lot of you are going to say, they're not going to tell us what we, what, uh, what their analytics are. There's a lot of space between telling us the, the formula and indicating that this was an analytics based decision with a hint about, you know, some element of it that's not proprietary, right? And I think people would want that. And in terms of the transparency, you know, I'm a reporter. I, I want to know more, not less. But they're also trying to sell PSLs and maintain the faith of a fan base that's got a lot of cause to not, not have much faith in them right now. Um, so uh, I, I think... Uh, I think that'd be the right way to go. And to answer DeMarcus here, do I get the sense the new regime will be more revealing about injuries and transparent, et cetera? I mean, do I think that Callahan on a, on a Monday morning might say, you know, Phil suffer uh, has an ankle and Bob has uh, a knee and Bob's unlikely to practice on Wednesday. I think it's a lot, a hell of a lot more likely than it was with, with Vrabel. Um, and I think this this regime is a lot more likely to do deep dives from every angle into what has been the Titans injury issue uh, for the last three years, which you know I've been a big believer that it's predominantly bad luck because I, I don't see how when um, Colton Dowell is running down the sideline double teamed on a special teams play and tears an ACL that the Titans training staff or coaches or anybody could prevent that from happening. But they have so much bad luck. They do have to, to, to dig and dig and dig and dig and see what, uh, what they come up with in terms of similarities, patterns, anything that they can get out of that might help them be more healthy. And some of it might be simple playing style. I don't want the Titans to be a finesse team, but I think, uh, you know, they'll probably ask a little bit less, at least, physicality wise, um, which might help on that front. Am I concerned that Callahan, the new head coach, has never called plays as an offensive coordinator, but word is he'll, he'll be calling plays? Seems like a lot, of, a lot of new stuff to grasp at one time. I think you're wrong. I'm not very concerned about that at all. Um, you, you look uh, at Miami, Mike McDaniel, I don't think was calling plays before he arrived. You look in um, – you know, I, I don't know that Kevin Stefanski was doing play calling before he came in. Look at all the young coaches around the league. The vast majority of them arrived in the same way that Brian Callahan's arriving. And I don't think they were doing play calling uh, before before they arrived. I think if you're close to the play caller, if you're on the headset, if you're helping um, script the first 15 plays and design the game plan on Tuesday, you're you're right there uh, and you're you're in the rhythm and and you've suggested a lot of things and um, and 
Zach Taylor told um, Joe Rex Road that that there were times where you know he he'd need to step away to do some CEO coaching, and that that uh, Callahan would call three plays or you know part of a series, and so I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, and, and I think we've seen coaches step in all across the league um, and do just fine at it. So I uh, I would do it. I mean, I think uh, would I rather have Munchak or Callahan? I know Munchak, right? Uh, I've, I've got a friendly relationship with Munchak. I watch Munchak work uh, almost his entire coaching career as the Titans offensive line coach. So I've obviously got a bias there. But Bill Callahan is also an excellent offensive line coach. And I think it's far more likely that, that uh, I mean, clearly he'd be the first choice. Uh, if they can't make that work for whatever reason, uh, then I, I think they should absolutely turn to Munchak and see if they can get him. If they wind up with neither of them, I'd be disappointed. I think you should be disappointed. Uh, there is not yet a date for a shovel in the ground at the new stadium, though I do have cause to believe, and I mean, it, it seems obvious that planning for that uh, is beyond underway and uh, something should be happening pretty soon. Yeah, compliment on asking questions. It's what I do. I will be there asking questions. Uh, I have um, had a chance to say hello to Callahan, who was very cordial, and uh, I look forward to talking to him. I don't, I don't think this is a sign of dysfunction, Ed. Now, uh, uh, he's saying, looking back to, I think, straddling of complete roster rebuild, moving Bayard and not others like Henry was a sign of dysfunction last year. I don't think that they got satisfactory offers for Henry, who they probably thought was worth more than he was worth. Um, uh, you know, Tannehill, the, the time to deal him was during the offseason, and I don't blame them for not doing that, and I don't know what, what they could have gotten for him. Uh, Tier Tart was obviously a malcontent whose value was was down. Uh, Danico Alci, I don't think they got offers for these guys that made them feel like they were worth moving. And I do think there's a line there where, you know, trading Henry for a sixth wouldn't have been worth it as opposed to having Henry to finish out, you know, the ride um, for, for this season and, and have what probably was a nice finish for him of his Titans career. So I don't think you just take anything. I think you have to have some kind of line of demarcation for what he's worth. And I don't think they got close, close to that line. So I, I don't think it's any kind of huge commentary on where they were in terms of the roster rebuild or, or anything like that. I think everybody wanted to deal those guys and get what they could, um, you know, maximizing it to, uh, to a certain point. After a certain point, they said, well, that's not, that's not worth it. Offensively, I like Liam Cohn. Um, the idea of him, but I don't think you have to have a touchstone guy for Levis. Uh, you know, I, I also like the idea of, uh, of keeping Charles London as a quarterback coach, maybe as a touchstone for Levis, but I don't think you have to have either one of them. Um, Thomas Brown from Carolina, a very impressive guy had three good years with the McVay. He kind of washed the, the Panthers off of him. Um, go watch video. There's a great video of him. Uh, that was put together by the Rams while he was there. That gives you some real insight into what kind of guy he is. And I think he'd be another really young, interesting mind. Um, Mike Herndon's got a piece that I'll post shortly after I go off the air with a lot of names and cases for uh, coaches that, uh, that Brian Callahan could bring with him. I mean, Stoney, I, I would think that uh, we'll hear from Callahan tomorrow that everybody, you know, gets a clean slate and 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 the like. Um, but for Traylon Burks, I, I don't know how encouraged to be about the idea of learning a new offense and, and resetting. I hope that they're valuing uh, speed in a way that Traylon Burks obviously takes some time to build up. I, I stick with my same thinking. Like he's got to be a gravy guy 
if they go into next year thinking that he's their number three behind, uh, you know, a big draft pick or a big free agent acquisition and Hopkins, I think you're, you're asking for trouble because he's not been reliably available. And I think that you can't count on anybody who's not been reliably available, right? The best, the best predictor of the future is the past here. And so if, if Traylon Burks has the kind of, of off season he had last year and he looks like he's in line to be out there and be a big contributor in, in Brian Callahan's first year offense. That's great. But even, uh, you know, if he gets to opening day with that, you, you gotta have, you gotta have an alternative. And I think the alternative should, should be ahead of, of Traylon Burks at the beginning, not, not behind him. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. You know, people give Vrabel a lot of grief about a lot of injuries, but uh, and the organization for that matter. But there, there was injury stuff that came out. If a guy had a season-ending injury um, on a Sunday, we typically found out about it. Uh, you know, not just big names. Um, now the clam up would begin, you know, Monday and and Wednesday, um, but certainly look, this was a super secretive uh, injury team. There are plenty of teams that are super secretive. It's it's not it wasn't unique to Vrabel or the Titans, uh, and I think we did find out more um, than than uh, I, I did. I did better on injuries over time during the Vrabel regime then I think uh, – I don't want to say that I got credit for, but but there was more out about injuries than I think people are willing to acknowledge. I mean, I think we have to advance it to Callahan, right? I think there will be a batch of questions about Carthon uh, and the Carthon-Callahan uh, relationship, but I, I think um, – you know, and hopefully they'll let it go. 45 minutes. You know, if they let it go 45 minutes, I think we'd get to, to everything. Noah says, with limited cast space last year, he thinks that Carthon took some flyers on people that could get short-term relatively cheap besides Dillard, but Rand has way more to probe. Well, uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, can't make a full judgment on anybody off of, off of one year but I don't think the owner should be touting that he was some magnetic guy who was drawing people. Was it that hard to draw Aziz Al-Shair who he worked with in San Francisco or Daniel Brunskill? No. Arden Key. I mean, Arden Key wanted out of Jacksonville because he couldn't get a full-time job in Jacksonville. And lo and behold, he didn't get a full-time job in Nashville ultimately because he, he, he didn't defend the run. Well, uh, you know, Titans had one big free agent success and he wasn't out of the regular free agent period. It was DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I, you know, I want them to correct me if I'm wrong, but simple connecting the dots suggests that Mike Vrabel would probably have had more to do with DeAndre Hopkins than, than Rand Carthon. Also, there wasn't a lot of competition for DeAndre Hopkins. He said as much in his Twitter feed. Oh, why didn't you come to Baltimore? Well, you know, I could only go to the teams that were interested in me, and they, it wasn't a lot of them, bro. If, if I'm not recalling Twitter conversations correctly, that's kind of how, how it went. Stone Keeley, who writes some good uh, stuff about this team and about the draft, says, get on that Zen Sports, Tom. And he's saying that to everybody, really. Yeah, Brandon's given Rand credit for not tying up a lot of money with turds for a long period of time. Still has a lot to prove. Well, I'm not tying up a lot of money on turds for a long period of time was, you know, not a hard thing to do, I don't think. I think Spears a viable running back, number one, um, in, in virtually any offense so uh, new offensive philosophy old offensive philosophy i think that's what he's heading towards and i think that's what he would have been if vrabel was here 
And I think it's what he will be with Callahan here. I mean, I think they're making a huge mistake, Ryan, and this isn't just out of self-interest. I think they're making a huge mistake if we don't see more of Carthon. I think they feel like Vrabel set uh, set the story for the team. Well, they wanted that in a lot of ways for, for a good while. That's our guy who's going to be our spokesman. Hell, they put Mike Vrabel out to talk about John Robinson's firing. John Robinson was his boss. Here, Ryan, we fired your boss. You go talk to all of the people about firing your boss. How awkward and weird is that? So they wanted that for a long time. And I think now they, they don't like that, that, that the story was set by that. Well, how do you not have the story set by that if that's the only guy who's talking? I mean, Robinson talked. Robinson came out and talked about cutting Kevin Dodd and how he made a mistake there. He came out at other times, you know, occasionally just to shoot the shit, but also when things went bad and there needed to be some accountability. Now, Rand came out to talk when he had to at this press conference, but he said all the same stuff that Vrabel says, or he, he was in lockstep with Vrabel. He said he was in lockstep with Vrabel and then everything. It was very weird. We'll see tomorrow how he is, but I will say this. They've had Tuesday. Uh, sorry. What's today. They, they agreed to this deal Monday night that, that he was Callahan was going to be head coach. So from Monday night, they had, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, half a day Thursday. If if Carthon doesn't do significantly better at this press conference, maybe you don't want him out in front. But if he's this magnetic guy who's drawing free agents to Tennessee, striking deals and relationships, I don't know how the fan base could believe that if he can't be good with a camera or with a microphone. Guys who are as good at relationships as they're saying that he is can't be not good with with media. It, it doesn't jive. And and we've heard that he's good with media. Ian Rappaport said he's one of the greatest guys ever with media. He knows his kid's name, right? So those things need to line up better. And you guys deserve to see it. Raves is in Atlanta today. I heard that uh, things went very well for him with the Chargers, though it seems, sounds like Harbaugh maybe is close to um, finishing that deal. Um, and I think he might still be in the mix in Seattle, which seems relatively quiet to me. No more collaboration. Look, collaboration doesn't mean that um, you have uh, – collaboration doesn't only happen if you're sharing responsibility for final say which is a, a dumb way to operate. Somebody ultimately has to decide. They're still collaborating. Brian, what do you think of this guy? Hey, Rand, you know what we really need in uh, in an in inside linebacker is a guy who uh, who's smart and can run. And we don't have um, – and, and be physical. Like we don't have the guy who can do everything we need. I really need you to find me a guy who looks like – this guy that we had in Cincinnati who I liked. Please watch him and let's look for all the attributes of him. All right, Brian. Well, that's collaborating. It's not collaborating on final say, but now you guys are taking some of you are taking the collaboration and thinking collaboration means collaborating on final say only. You can collaborate on a ton of stuff. I do not think they're taking a quarterback at number seven. You will have spent a third rounder with a trade, a second rounder with a trade, and number seven overall on a quarterback in three years. You got to spend picks on other positions to fortify it for the quarterback that you just spent a second rounder on. They need everything. There's not a position on the roster that they don't need help on, including quarterback, but a backup. I mean, I think he's going to change the, the, uh, 
the strength and conditioning staff because he wants to hire his own staff. Um, not because of past injuries necessarily, maybe that's part of it, but, um, you know, could keep an, an assistant or two. That's what, that's what, uh, well, Vrabel wound up promoting Watterson's assistant for the first year because of Watterson retired very late, but then the next year he brought in his own guy. I mean, you're generally going to want to bring in your own guys at, at as many spots as you can. I'm Paul Kuharski at paulkuharski.com, brought to you by Zen Sports. This is the Paul Kuharski podcast. Also, Jasper's, which is a great restaurant on West End Avenue between downtown and midtown. Great place to eat, free parking, games to play. If you want to hang out for a while or while you're waiting for your food, pop a shot, air hockey, stuff like that. Great menu. I recommend the bolognese or the Cuban sandwich. Uh, Cold drinks, great service, great food, very conveniently located. Can't recommend it highly enough. They've been now a pretty long-term sponsor of mine. I appreciate their dedication to me. I hope you'll give them a try on my behalf, or if you've been there before, you know what? You're due for another stop there now. Check them out, Jasper's on West End between downtown and midtown. Uh Ron Rooney Glover says, I hope Callahan doesn't keep secrets like Vrabel. I, I, football is a game of secrets. They're going to be secrets kept. You hope he doesn't keep as many. That would be reasonable. David Jackson, my man, says, do I think the scouting of receivers will change some now, maybe less emphasis on height? I mean, I was thinking maybe it would change with the end of Tannehill because Tannehill really liked big, big receivers, big and bulky receivers. And I think – Vrabel liked them too, and certainly there's a big element to blocking ability with that sort of physique. They have to be willing to give up some size for some speed. Ideally, you want all of it, right? But you only get all of it very high in the draft, and I'm thinking left tackle's priority high in the draft. But, uh, I yeah, I, I would think they'd be willing. Not every receiver on the, on the Bengals who are a very good receiver team is uh, – is a giant, right? Again, lazy. Vrabel wanted, asked for uh, full control of the roster at one point. Doesn't mean he, you know, I asked for, uh, you know, $175,000 one time at a job. I didn't get it. That didn't mean I stopped working or, or asked to be let out of my contract. I'd have to look at it more closely, Eric, to see if Burks has never been the same after the con concussion against Philly last year. I mean, he's had good games since then. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know that there's a moment. Would I consider making a super product with my site, Broadway Sports, Stoney and Zach? Never say never. Curious on their answer on to what roles each will play in the draft board and how analytics play into it. Well, look, ultimately the draft board belongs to Rand. And there's a lot of confusion over this. And I wish Rex Road had clarified it better when he wrote the story initially because he clarified it later. I clarified it, uh, what stacking a draft board is. But because Ryan Cowden stacked the draft board last year, people think that Ryan Cowden set the team's draft order or ordered the players, which he did not. Stacking the draft board is physically controlling the draft board, which is probably on a computer that then translates into uh, something that's projected onto the wall. Um, but <clears throat> Everybody's got a say in meetings and ultimately ran now with full control over the roster will will determine what the order of their draft board is. And he's telling somebody like Ryan Cowden that and Ryan Cowden or the person like Ryan Cowden is typing that in and it's going on, on the wall. What role do they play? Well, um, 
you know, uh, Brinker's going to have a lot of input into that now and bring analytics into it. Anthony Robinson, the other assistant GM, is, is going to have input. The scouting staff has input. Everybody had the coaching staff, Callahan. But ultimately, when you say, is it this guy or is it this guy? You know, Carthon can take somebody else's advice and say, all right, I'm going with what you say, Brian. But when it comes down to who made that pick, who put that guy on top of that guy, it's Carthon. You can't say the Titans are going to operate an offense exactly like the Bengals because Callahan's going to have to adapt to the personnel that he has. Now, he's going to want some personnel like the Bengals had for certain things, but the Titans next year aren't going to have a receiving triumvirate. It's, it's very unlikely they're going to have a receiving triumvirate like uh, Chase Higgins and Boyd, excuse me, and they're not going to have Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow throws, you know, a certain intermediate route very well. Well, Will Levis doesn't throw those routes as well. And so uh, he's going to adapt to that and and call stuff and design stuff that plays more to Willis, uh, Will Levis's strength. Um, and so, yeah, you could watch Cincinnati and get a feel for what he and Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor and he, did with that personnel, but then you have to say, well, he's going to take a lot of those ideas and shift them into what works with what he'll have in Tennessee. Now, some of what he's going to want to get in Tennessee will mirror some of the things he had in Cincinnati. And maybe in Cincinnati, he said, damn, I wish we had X. And now that he's in Tennessee, he's maybe in a position to go get X in a way that he wasn't uh, with the Bengals because he didn't have as much power to get it, or they just never had a chance to, to get it or, or whatever. Am I surprised at how well Amy handled this search and was decisive landing in what most think was her number one choice? Well, only time tells if the number one choice is the correct choice. Uh, we don't know where Amy was in this, how much control she gave to Rand, how much control uh, or power Burke Nihill had or Brinker or whoever else was in the room. We don't know who was in the room. Um, you know, uh, she's at a down time right now in terms of uh, fan confidence. And uh, again, I've run through it. If you haven't seen it, you can look back here. I think uh, she overstates Rand's accomplishments, at least in terms of what we've seen um, and or what we've been allowed to see. And so we have to see, I think, really um, if her faith in Rand is warranted based on what Rand does from here going forward. So that's a big piece of this. In terms of the coaching search, seems like they did a good job. I thought Callahan was one of the two best candidates. We'll see if that, in fact, comes to fruition, but we have to wait. And I understand hope and enthusiasm. I said people should say, oh, happy day. When you see a coach who said, you know, games generally come down to who passes the, the best. Who passes the best generally wins. That the Titans have a coach that thinks like that is a damn miracle. So that's super exciting. But still, you know. This is a six-win team that hasn't, you know, had a chance to do anything personnel-wise since. And, and you know, you can be as happy as you want, but nothing's happened yet that changes um, the results except that they've got a, a new coach and a new power structure. And those are big developments, but they're not players. I don't know if Amy's going to be there, Sam. I, I would think she would at least introduce Callahan. She can't take questions tomorrow because it takes the focus off the new head coach. I think Callahan will be a giant home run. He's a personable uh, guy who interviews well. Um, so uh, I would expect tomorrow everybody will be very excited about Brian Callahan's performance at the, at the press conference. A couple more minutes here. What do you have? Let's retweet one more time, shall we? How does it work with Vrabel's remaining contract? If Vrabel gets another coaching job, does Amy still have to pay him? It's offset. So if if his new um, 
job paid him more than what he was scheduled to make this year, Amy would be off the hook. If he sits out a year, Amy's got to pay him. Um, and if he's under contract, I think it, uh, I think ultimately the reporting was that 2026 was an option year. Uh, but I think she'd be paying him for two years. And so if he makes less conceivably in 2025 somewhere, Amy would pay him the difference. I'd like to know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you something offbeat. I'd like to know why Drew Brees is uh, Callahan's hero. I can eat too much lasagna in one sitting. I think they can manipulate it somewhat, Sam, in, in terms of the offset. But I, I think there's uh, – I think the league gets involved in that stuff and uh, and they iron it out. I mean, I don't think they could pay him $100,000. Um, but I do think they can can step it and um, in, in a way that, uh, you know, it would hurt her a little bit, a little bit more. I mean, I think uh, can Terrell Williams stay on board as the D-line coach? Um, you know, Callahan's going to interview some of these guys, the ones that he's interested in, and uh, and I think he'll retain some. Um, you know, Terrell Williams is a good candidate to stay because he's a good position coach. But if Callahan has a defensive line guy that he's always liked and, and envisioned on his staff, well, that changes the formula for Terrell Williams. So there's some luck involved for somebody like Terrell Williams or Charles London or, or any of the guys that we look at and think of as, as the most worthy of remaining uh, uh, on the new staff. Yeah, this is one of the exciting things about him, Eric, uh, about Callahan is that he's worked with a bunch of quarterbacks who are all – great to good uh i'm not as big a Derek carr fan but uh that have had different strengths so he's worked with manning he was a low-ranking assistant there but still there right he's the kind of manning's gopher uh burrow stafford carr all different um and again i recommend the dan pompey article where he kind of went through all four of those phases and talked about kind of what he got out of each of those, which I think was very good. Yeah, certain players chafed under Vrabel. I mean, Tier Tart chafed under Vrabel so much that he got uh, got his ass cut. Uh, other other players thrived under Vrabel. Derrick Henry certainly didn't have uh, much of an issue with the coach, and and did quite well. Taylor Lewan, when he was healthy. Um, did quite well. DeAndre Hopkins seemed to be uh, more than fine with him. Uh, you know, so uh, some players will be relieved and others will be disappointed. Derrick Henry told De Diana Rossini, you know, he was disappointed. Um, I think Harold Landry will be very disappointed. Said he was always super prepared every game he went into. Um, so that's okay. Lou Buck said it'll be okay. If Rand doesn't speak, he seems lost at these. Rand's the, the football power, uh, holds the football power now. So um, the uh, it would be very weird for the football power to, uh, to not speak at these. You want me to ask uh, Brian Callahan, not Bill Callahan, to give Malik Willis a shot. Malik Willis, people need to let go. Have you not watched him play? Goodness gracious. I keep seeing a reflection in my window behind here. I've got like window doors to my office and I keep seeing a reflection, which is probably me. And uh, I'm thinking that my wife or son are here and neither of whom are home. And uh, that's not the best. I don't know who needs to get ready. Oh, I, I think you're talking to Malik that he needs to learn Canadian, which is funny. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about the Malik love. Like, <clears throat> you can like a guy and 
at the same time, acknowledge his shortcomings. I've had that. I've, I've liked guys, rooted for guys on the teams that I like. Christian Pulisic. Look, I was a Chelsea fan before Christian Pulisic joined Chelsea. And then I watched him at Chelsea. And then I realized the best thing for Christian Pulisic was not to be on Chelsea. It's not the, it's not the right team for him. It's not the right league for him. And, and he's better in Milan playing in, in Italy. That's okay. All right? So I'm not saying that Malik needs to go to the CFL, but he's not a quarterback that you should want on the Titans. You can like him, but why do you have to have him on the Titans? Do you want what's best for the Titans or not? Because there's nothing that in evidence about Malik Willis to this point that suggests it's best for your football team that he be on it. So I don't understand. Are you a Malik fan or are you a Titans fan? And more and more, the answer is uh, from fans, no, I'm a Derek fan. No, I'm a Malik fan. Not, not a fan of the team, which I'm about to turn 55, and I don't get at all, and I don't like, and that makes me wish I was 10 years older and, and retiring. <clears throat> Was Vrabel more involved with the linebackers and the defense in general say than, say, the offensive guys like Henry and Lawan? Of course. He played linebacker. Um, certainly he was more involved. How many times did you hear him answer a quarterback question about Tannehill's mindset or mechanics or something where he said, I didn't, I didn't play quarterback, um, you know. You think Callahan, who, who did – play quarterback, I, I believe, at, at poorly, uh, very far down the depth chart at UCLA, uh, is more involved with quarterbacks than he will be with with linebackers? A absolutely. Andy Reid was an offensive lineman. You think he's more involved with the offensive lineman than he is with the cornerbacks? Absolutely, by the very nature of it. Now, in time, you certainly – and it, it's not like they're not chiming in or – participating or popping into those meeting rooms, but uh, definitely. Now, Scott, only in certain departments do I wish I was 10 years older. I, I know. I wish I, I mostly wish I was in my 30s. Yeah, assistant head coach titles don't work like they used to. So it used to be these false promotions were enough to lure a guy away. Now <clears throat> you really, I think, have two, right? And really, uh, it's offensive and defensive coordinator. And really, I think it's about uh, play calling duties or, or responsibility uh, or, or additional responsibility, right? But that's it. So, you know, if you're going to use your offensive side of the ball, one, for Bill Callahan, then you're losing it, your ability to get Thomas Brown or somebody like that away from from the Panthers who might want to retain him or, or something like that. So um, that that's, it's, it's not enough. And they're conflicting reports. You know, there's one, uh, one report that says he's coming and another that says uh, the Browns are not going to be quick to, to let him out. I think it's a difficult, difficult position. A lot of people say, who are the Browns to stop him from going to work for his son? which I could see, and I could see the other hand. He's He's been a crucial piece of the Browns being very good on the offensive line, and to let him go for nothing, um, for the very nice story of him being able to work with his son, but in the same conference, seems like there's some, some value to be exchanged there to me, and I don't know how that works. Yeah, Mary Kay's expecting it to happen, but she didn't report that it would happen. There, there are two stronger reports, one saying yes and one saying no. All right, I'm going to take this last question, which is long, and then we're going to head on. I appreciate you all coming. Uh, if you're not a member, sign up, paulkuharski.com, the membership page, or through Zen Sports using TN Paul and making at least a $10 bet. Also check out Jaspers. I think anyone that watches the Titans knows Tannehill was never the answer. Come playoff time, teams know how to slow down. Henry had to rely on Tannehill's arm, and we all saw the results. I'm so happy Tannehill is gone and Vrabel too. As much as I hate seeing Henry go, he deserves a ring. 
would be cool if he stayed, blah, blah, blah. That mistake taking that question. Nobody deserves a ring. I mean, if you play on a team that wins a ring, you deserve a ring. And if you don't, you don't. And uh, Tannehill is the second best quarterback in this franchise's history. He shat the bed in the biggest, most important playoff game. That doesn't make him a terrible quarterback. Guy played tremendous quarterback given his skill set for this team for two and a half years and shit on him out of the one game. I mean, I know that's how it works, but that was a bad last question. Give me a good last question. Well, this is better. If they let Rand cook, I hope Brian gets a say in the type of player he wants. Of course he will. It doesn't serve Rand Carthon in any way, shape, or form to give Brian Callahan a, a player he doesn't want. Um, and he said at the bad press conference uh, after Vrabel's firing that, you know, he sticks with the what he said about Vrabel when he arrived, that his job is to serve the head coach. I don't think he served the head coach particularly well. I don't think the, the head coach served himself particularly well. I don't think the roster served anybody well. But Rand said his job for the next guy would be the same, to serve to serve the head coach. And uh, that that's what they need. And that remains collaboration despite the fact that Rand Carthon has, uh, has final say. Everybody always asks me, Jim, how can you see the press conference? Like, I, I don't want to promote the Titans website. Of course, you could see the – press conference at the Titans website guitar metal old man I appreciate you subscribing to the site just now that's excellent uh, yeah Tannehill was a quarterback of two uh, two playoff um, two two or three teams that went to the playoffs for the Titans who was better than him in the Titans era outside of Steve McNair, Brandon? Um, I mean, yeah, it's not hard to be the second best quarterback in, in the Titans era, but he played they they their record and quarterback record isn't isn't a stat, but when he was their quarterback, they won a good share of games. And the Titans molded their offense around his uh, strengths with the play action and with Henry very smartly. It's one of the best things that, that Mike Vrabel did. Uh, I, I don't know why. I mean, the Cincinnati game was an absolute disaster, absolute disaster. And the Baltimore game at home, everybody on offense played poorly. Everybody. Um, so I, I just don't know why, uh, why you want to shit on him. I think the staff will take some time. I mean, and I, I hope they don't do what, what Vrabel tried to do where you just don't say anything uh, until everything's done. It's going to trickle out and um, we'll see, but uh, we'll, we'll hear from Callahan on that tomorrow and it'll be interesting. I appreciate all of you for coming. It's nice talking to you. Feel free to retweet this, share it on your Facebook page and uh, point people to it on YouTube. Don't block the box. And please be sure, sure, sure to lock your locks. Have a great night, everybody. And uh, I'll talk to the membership tomorrow evening after Callahan. So if you want to be involved in one of these chats that's members only, you better sign your ass up. Good night.